2: like I wouldn't know I masturbate like at two in the morning I feel like she'd still be like Hannah are you up (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm making cookies
2: what's up guys welcome back to don't tell mom my name is Hannah Dickinson and another week down I feel like I say that every time like we're counting down to something as if you know, things are getting better, but they seem to be getting worse, more sexual terror. I actually, we recorded, my episode today, we recorded a little while back, so we ended up dropping Kristalia's name, (laughs) name dropping Kristalia, wasn't that fun when you could do that, but no, we talked about his opener, so we casually talk about Kristalia, we, this had not come out yet, so don't think we're just sliding right over it. Uh, yeah, I've gotten into a few fights with guy friends about why messaging 17 year olds is wrong. And I think what guys don't understand is that a girl's first sexual experience is. It impacts her. It shapes the way you think about sex and the way you think about men. So for Crystalia to go into these towns and do, you know, this theater and then have sex with these 17 year olds as. A superstar, You know, he's going to give these girls way too much confidence. No, I'm just kidding. He's using them. You know, he's going to treat, he treats them like trash. And that's how, maybe not all of them, but it might shape the way they look at sex or men and themselves. And it, it's just really fucked up to objectify girls. I mean, it's one thing to objectify a 30-year-old, but to objectify a 17-year-old, it's like a lot of us, I mean, I'm 28 now, but when I was 17, I had no self-confidence and I was, you know, I was still a brunette at this point. I didn't know who I was, so Crystalia wouldn't have hit on me, but (laughs) this is fucked up, no. I can't imagine being taken advantage of like that. And the fight I got in with my guy friend is he's like, Hannah, I message hundreds of girls daily. And that's a pretty weak argument. First of all, you're 30 years old, you shouldn't be messaging girls that's a weird thing to say Uh, and also maybe just get a job that's what you're doing to occupy your time yeah that's why you live in a studio apartment with a snake and a scorpion yeah I should just read a book one of the six books I bought before and during quarantine I have not read any of them I'm like all right I'm gonna sit down and read this book and immediately I have the book open and then I just put my phone on top of it and open tinder this is the problem books are the gateway drug dating apps because you're sitting there with a book like i don't want to fucking do this what else can i look at show me that d now i sound like a predator but you know if it's on tinder we're all predators and age is required one guy was like what if they say 18 but they're 17 and i'm like sir you're 42 how about you just start at 30 you'll be fine men are such animals I think it's good Chris Lea got called out because he'd be doing this shit forever. It's it's interesting. I wonder what's going to happen to his career because he has his own podcast. Like he, He'd stand up, you can do your own thing, but do you really want to hear what a pedophile thinks about owls? And I know some people are like, 17's not pedophilia, and if you say that, maybe see a therapist. I liked redheads for a while, so I understand attraction can be very confusing, but... I just think a law is a law for a reason. And there's a reason why you sh- you're not supposed to be fucking like underage people. It's like uh, their brains are not fully developed. So for you to go in and abuse someone, to have that be your first sexual experience, is, it can fuck you up. Everyone's like, why take it to Twitter and ruin someone's career? It's because if you're going to do bullshit things like that with the career that people gave to you, because he has all these fans, and now it's like, oh, you're using all this power we gave you to hit up high school girls then yeah you shouldn't have that power you shouldn't be this famous person and the thing is um I imagine like if I was in high school and this happened to me and I had sex with him I would not speak up because my parents would be pissed but what I'm saying is a lot of girls are probably still scared to come out and I feel like there's a lot of evidence against Chris and it's just it's just upsetting and, you I, you know, I've been in green rooms with comics and the way they talk about women or they'll pull up a naked photo that a random girl sent them and it's like, I don't want to see that. And sometimes I'm like, can I not? Can you not? And they'll be like, oh, you can't hang? Oh, you can't hang? And it's like, no, I, I can hang. I just prefer not to see a woman f- full frontal nude. It's interesting that male comics are predatory because I think it's because comics are fucking losers and they never got girls. So now they're it's like a revenge of the nerds but it does, it's not an excuse like these young girls aren't didn't do anything to you and you taking advantage of a lot of them is it's just it's just fucked up and all right well I guess we should probably get in the episode I uh yeah I, I filmed this uh, a couple of weeks ago with my very good friend Jared Goldstein he's a very funny comedian we met at an open mic and he was so nice And I, he says I was rude, which I believe it, but we just started hanging out a lot and he lives in LA. He's so funny. He's on Nicole Richie's new show on Quibi, Nikki Fresh. And I'm so excited for him. And okay, let's just do it, baby. I'm doing a podcast with Jared right now. Is that dad? Yeah, my dad says hello.
1: Who cut your hair?
2: Yeah. Not that much, though, so you can't really tell.
1: That's what you want.
2: Yeah, you don't want it to be too obvious. Well, you taught me how to cut my hair. (laughs) Remember how you told me not to do it? Yeah. I watched him do it exactly that way.
1: I think it looks great. I I love seeing people's roots. I know that sounds, like, catty and negative, but, like, I really don't mean it that way. I mean it, like, in a good way. I don't know, it's just nice to see. Regrowth makes me feel like there's hope and there's, like, turnover and there's like youth you know
2: yeah i guess i get what you're saying but i see it and i'm like oh my god i'm turning back into my high school self which is like so scared of everything
1: oh oh man
2: i'm like a born again virgin was your hair brown in high school yeah it was brown i wore bottom eyeliner i wore bermuda shorts it was rough
1: I mean I'm 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 seeing it now. I'm visualizing it now. And I mean you're you're I, you're a blonde in my mind, but it, you would look great with brown hair. I mean it's only going to keep going is the thing.
2: How do you feel about all this shit?
1: I don't know. Like I think if it ended tomorrow, I'd be like I feel like I learned something and I got by and that's great.
2: What's the thing you're taking away here? I'm trying to have a positive outlook, but I like I don't know.
1: Totally. Um well, I th- honestly like um, um being Stuck at home makes me feel like me like six years ago before I started doing comedy and I didn't know what how to spend my time and like feeling bored, feeling like untapped and just hating everything in myself. Um, So like it felt like, fuck, I'm like forced back into that world and how do I handle it now? And I've handled it better than I did then. So I'm like learning things about myself by like facing this challenge of like, I don't have a professional future, like all of my jobs whether it's acting, com- comedy, or being a waiter, like, none of that exists. And then, like, professionally, like, watching, like, late night happen from home and watching these guys do their monologues and just see, like, realizing that it's really not some special thing. yeah. They're not doing anything different than anyone else is doing when you take away, like, the studio and the lights and the money and everything.
2: Yeah, you know, because I release the weekly videos. And I'm always, like, debating if it's worth it because it doesn't get a ton of views. Like, people who, like, shit their pants get hundreds of thousands of views and I'm like writing this thing and shooting and editing and putting graphics on it but then I'm like is this even worth it and then I'm like well at least I'm like making something and also it should be for myself to begin with because if I do it for other people or like for approval it's just going to be always disappointing so but there's a part of me that's like Shouldn't I want to do it for other people? But it is interesting just (laughs) like shouldn't if you're not doing it for other people, then like who the I don't know. But that's what I'm saying is like seeing late night and all this stuff. It's like they're really just putting everyone on an even playing field, I would say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like this thing that I thought was like at the top of a mountain isn't really that far away.
2: Even SNL.
1: Yeah. But weirdly watching like SNL at home has been like so it makes me feel like a kid and it brings me a great deal of comfort. And I'm really glad that they did it like. i really did truly feel inspired like watching them do it from home and i think you're doing such a great job with those weekly roundup videos they're oh great like it's so hard to be funny topically right now Uh, like i feel scared to even like talk about quarantine like on a podcast you can never be right about what you're saying it's like either like you're I feel bad and then there's like a voice in my head that's like you shouldn't you're one of the lucky ones shut up or i'm like i feel good and then i'm like you shouldn't the world is crumbling how dare you you know that's like i like, there's no safe thought pattern with it's like every argument can be poked and pricked and pulled apart and it's like Oof. it is a, it's a really interesting <laughs> experience but but you're doing such a great job with the videos and they're so funny and like it's especially like watching the first one that you did I was like damn like this is better than almost anything I've seen lately
2: wow that's so nice thanks some guy today was like does your eye get a little wonky as the more drunk you get and I'm like not really drinking alcohol in those so I was just like I think I have a lazy eye and um this guy who I used to like kind of date he broke up with me then he later we became friends and he had a girlfriend so it wasn't even like i like hurt his feelings in any way and he was like trying to get back at me for his own ego he was just like you know you're lazy eye and i was like what do you mean my lazy eye like i knew what he was talking about like oh yeah you're lazy eye so then the guy this guy who commented today like does your eye get wonky or i'm like fuck i have a fucking lazy eye
1: I would tell you if I ever, ever noticed, ever, and I truly have not.
2: Thanks. I don't know. I guess maybe maybe it gets a little lazy if it gets tired.
1: Maybe. I mean, sometimes I'll get a twitch in my right eye that I can feel but can't necessarily see. But I think, I think you would know. You would know if you had a lazy eye. Right? Yeah. You wouldn't be like introduced may- to your lazy eye in your mid-20s.
2: And I feel like someone else in a comments once said I had a lazy eye. So I feel like maybe it's just three guys, but it is a weird coincidence. You know, three people is a lot for not having a lazy eye.
1: That is a lot. That's maybe the most you could receive for not having a lazy
2: eye. That's what I'm saying. So I'm like, there's something to this lazy eye thing. I don't know. But I'm like, I'm also in therapy and I'm trying to be less self-critical. So it's like a balance of that. How's that going? Good. She's really good. But it's annoying, like, trying to get mentally sound because it's, like, you just want to feel good. And it's, like, you have to do work on yourself. And I don't really want to do that work. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to sit down and, like, write 100 things I love about myself. Like, I just don't want to do that.
1: Yeah. Did she ask you to do that?
2: Yeah, she said it's healthy. And then to write down all the negative thoughts I have. 100's a lot. I got to, like, 15 and I already repeated two. So...
1: (laughs) you're cheating
2: <laughs> yeah i was like lying to myself i like catch myself cheating and lying and i'm like who this is for me ultimately you're i like, think number everyone...
1: 72 my good eye <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i know my strong eye yeah. <laughs> number 72 no that's literally number 16 i gotta write that down so i have something <laughs> <Good eye. laughs> but you're in therapy right
1: yeah, yeah, but I've really slowed down, not on purpose, but, but I have. Because my therapist closed his practice. Um, after about a year and a half one day, he was like, so we have to talk. It's like, I'm not dying, and I'm not moving, but I am closing my practice. And I just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried, um, found a new therapist. And in the last, like, maybe six months, I um, have been seeing him less and then in the last, like, two months, I just saw him once. We did one Zoom.
2: Do you feel fixed?
1: No, God, no. Oh, God, no, 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 no. Basically, it was like, it's, like, a lot of little things. Like, I felt like we weren't necessarily, like, connecting. And then he raised his rates, and they were already really high. And I just thought, why am I going to pay even more for a therapist that I don't necessarily feel super connected to right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was for a while, because I was seeing a different woman before the, the woman I'm seeing now. Like, if you're not connected to it, it seems like something you have to do or like a chore. It should be something that you like go to and are excited about or at least just like something that's good for you. But if you feel like it's not doing anything and you have to do it and then you're paying money, it just feels like, what the fuck am I doing? Totally. I like once sat through a session with one woman and I I bitched about a guy for a long time and the whole hour I bitched about him. And then at the end of the hour, she said his name wrong. Like she had the wrong name. And I was like, I mean, I just used his name like 50 times. There's just no way you were listening at any point.
1: Oh, damn.
2: She said Cameron or something. And yeah, I was like, that's not even like the same amount of syllables. That's not even the same first letter. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, this is not going to work. Just because I felt like she wasn't listening.
1: Yeah. That happened to me um, maybe about a year ago with my now therapist where I was – you know, granted, like, I don't, he don't, they don't, he doesn't have to listen to every last thing I say. Like, it's like, you know, I'm totally. just rambling, but it definitely was like, it wasn't great. At one point I said to him, what was I just saying? And then I could see like panic in his eyes. And I was like, oh fuck.
2: But the thing is it's their one fucking job is to listen. Yeah. Wait, did you let him sit in it?
1: I didn't like hold him to anything. It was like, it was one of a few things. And the thing that feels like the actual bigger problem is the advice that he gives me is like, is very like surface advice. Like what? I would talk about like feeling lonely. And he would be like, a guy like you could have a boyfriend whenever you want.
2: Yeah, that's like dad advice.
1: Like, sure, but I don't know. That's not, I I, I need you to like, help me get underneath everything and figure out what's wrong. How are you doing like in Virginia?
2: Um, you know. It's like nice sometimes, but I miss like feeling like an adult. Yeah. And then my dad was like, you know, you should like enjoy this time right now feeling like a kid because it's not going to be around forever. I was like, are you, okay, that doesn't make me feel better. That you and mom are going to die? Like, how is that supposed to like brighten my day?
1: Yeah. Also, do you feel like nostalgia hits harder nowadays?
2: Yeah. The
1: other day I was, uh, I thought, I remember this time that, um, like when I called my, my, when I FaceTime my parents to help me with this uh, smoke detector, I, a part of me was like, I shouldn't be doing this. It's not their responsibility. Like they're, they, how can they even help me? And that's ultimately what I was facing with them. Like they can't really help me, but I don't know what else to do, but like call my parents. And the other day I remember this story that my mom used to tell me about my first day of kindergarten when she took me to school and there was no, sign of me being nervous or upset or scared except for the fact that as soon as we got near the building i started squeezing her hand really hard <laughs> and um and i i told her i called her and told her about it yesterday and she was crying and i was crying and but then we talk and then i get frustrated and i'm like oh my god like talking to you like your parents can be so 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 frustrating but then you also remember these like beautiful memories and but then now with this whole new context of, like, quarantine, it's, like, it feels like it's it's in black and white, you know? To be, like, riding my bike with my friends to, like, Genovese to, like, get a slice of pizza and then mama, mama.
2: I know. Even watching TV shows, I'm, like like, I'll see people, like, I don't know, just, like, hanging out or, like, eating in, in, like, a public space, and I'm just, like, I don't know if we'll ever, ever be able to do that again. Like, I used to eat my dinner on the train, which is already forbidden, but I would fucking do it anyway, and now I'm, like, I feel like that's just never, I mean, not that that's, like, something I, I'm, like, a pastime I miss is eating noodles on the subway, but, like, I wonder about, like, the next year, two years, about how much our lives are gonna change, and it makes me, like, very depressed, but Also, yeah, I am leaning on my parents in a way that, like, it makes me a little depressed in a way. How so? I guess I just don't have a boyfriend, so I have no one being like, come back! (laughs) Yeah. Nowhere's pulling me. The only place I could be right now is home in Virginia. Yeah. And it makes me a little bummed to be like, oh, I don't have, like, somewhere else that someone needs me. (laughs) I guess I just want someone to need me, and no one does, but um, I guess it's having a child.
1: I think it would be so challenging to do this with my parents
2: in what way
1: I find like most conversations with my parents like unless I like really make a make a great effort to be mature about it, um, it they go south <laughs> they go south pretty quick
2: uh, yeah I mean it, it can get like that I mean I feel like my mom just like hears my vibrator start from like a mile away because every time I'm like about to just start really getting into it she's like Hannah what are you doing and I'm like fuck and it has like six speeds so I'm like constantly hitting it to like turn it off but it like won't stop and then she's like what are you doing in there and I'm like she's like are you out of breath and I'm like can you just fucking get my mama you know like I, when do I masturbate like at two in the morning I feel like she'd still be like Hannah are you up
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm making cookies when I was in high school whenever I my, my mom would walk into the room and I wasn't masturbating I felt like I should get a medal (laughs) and i should get like credit somehow for that you know
2: because it was so often the opposite that you think she expected it so when you weren't you're like my hands are up here
1: yeah like like, something like it's that's it's what frustrates me about driving is like okay so if you are a driver you don't get any no one praises you you don't earn anything for not getting into car accidents but if you get into a car accident like it feels like the whole world falls down. So it's like, you can't win, but you can lose. And that's like a frustrating thing about driving. And that's the same thing applies to masturbating in your parents' house. Like, you can't, like, no one is, no one applauds you for not jerking off. But, like, if you get caught jerking off, it's, like, awkward and terrible.
2: Uh, Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like when my mom comes out, she's like, what are you doing? I can be like, not masturbating for once.
1: Yeah, you want to be like... You want to like be like get credit or something, but you can't (laughs) get credit for that
2: No, totally. Well, so I was like really out of breath because I was like trying to fucking like stop the vibrator I can't even find it right now because I think I threw it across the room. I like cannot find it So I was like out of breath. I was like trying to turn off vibrator I was like trying to like put clothes on I was like give me a second She's like why are you so out of breath and then I like made up this story that I gained a bunch of weight and my pants weren't fitting So I couldn't get them on so that's why I was so out of breath And then so she went and like got me a bunch of her old pants that are like too big so that I could wear them because she thought that I couldn't get the pants around my waist. (laughs) But I was like, no, I was just masturbating, but I'm glad you believed my story. Like she looked at me and was like, yeah, maybe she has gained weight.
1: (laughs) I'll buy Well, that's actually that's like a great um, like theory of like how to lie well is like you, you can't lie For your benefit Like You have to just pick a crime that is less Than the one you, you're doing And that's how people will believe you
2: Oh if you say you're doing like a less Bad yes, thing but it's still like, bad I'm
1: so sorry I forgot about our meeting I was, um, I was donating to charity And, and crossing an, an old lady across the street Like no one will believe you But if you say like I'm so sorry I forgot about our meeting I I don't know what's like a less bad thing you get it. <laughs> it's like you have to split the difference. You can't lie to make yourself look so good because no one will believe you. So you have to pick something that is like still a bad thing but less bad than the thing you were that you're supposed to go down for.
2: When I was doing bringer shows in LA, I one time my dad and I I was my parents were in town and they were gonna come but we were like at dinner or something and we just like didn't wanna go and I knew it'd be a shitty bringer show, so I was like this promoter's harassing me because at the time i didn't realize that bringer shows are like fully shitty you know what i mean like i didn't know that they were just using you i was like this is my big opportunity so i was like hey i'm really sorry i can't make it tonight and he basically i forget who the bringer the producer was but he was like you know you're never gonna like make it now because you didn't you're you're bailing like you can't bail on this last minute thing like making me feel like shit and I, i told my dad i was like i don't know what to say and he's like tell him i fell off a balcony and you're in the hospital So I was like, okay. So I was like, hey, my dad fell off a balcony, so I can't. That's why. And he was like, oh my God, I feel so bad. Also, never followed up though to see how my dad was, which was pretty rude. Just like gave me another date, um, (laughs) which is pretty upsetting. But to this day, I always feel guilty because I'm like, I feel like that's really bad karma. But also it was my dad's idea. So I'm like, maybe it's not that bad of karma, but it felt like very dirty to say that. Totally. (laughs) But I also thought my career was over because I wasn't going to do five minutes in the belly room for $85 that I brought people to.
1: I did one of those shows in the belly room. I I wonder if it's the same show. Uh, And I just bought 10 tickets. And I was like, I'm going to buy the 10 tickets. And then I'm going to either sell them to friends or give them to friends or whatever. But this way... I will know that like, I did my part and they'll, they'll just get off my back about it. So basically like it, it cost me like $100 to do five minutes um, in the belly room for the first time. And by the time the show came around, I was I was I got maybe two people there to like physically show up. And they were like, if your people don't show up, then you don't get the extra minutes. So basically I spent $100 and they demoted me to two minutes. They're like, you only have two people here. So you only get two minutes. And I was like, but I spent, I, I paid you $100. You have my $100, whether or not people show up. And they're like, these are the rules. Horrible, It's horrible, disgusting, despicable behavior. Bring your shows I up. know. Tr- tr- preying on like, the smallest you know what I mean
2: yeah it's really like um it's kind of like joining a gang in a way it's like for comedy because in a gang you have to do all this shit right to get initiated and and you think that actually i've never joined a gang so i don't know where this uh comparison is going but like i feel like it's like that where you have to pay a lot of dues and like people <laughs> <Yeah>. like <shit. laughs> i guess it's like joining a fraternity <laughs> yeah, yeah Not a lot of clerical work
1: to joining a gang <laughs> gangs are a lot like <laughs> equity <laughs>
2: Well, so I guess the moral of this is, if anyone listening to this is thinking about starting stand up, and someone tells you that you have a you're you have a lot of talent and that you should do a Bringer show, it does not mean you have talent, and you should definitely not do a Bringer show. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel like Bringer producers would be like, "Oh my God, like you're really good. I'm. You should do my Bringer show." And in my head now, I'm like, "Oh no, they just knew. They could tell I was new." Yeah. So I was actually bad.
1: I, wonder, I don't want to name names, but I'm wondering who the host of this bringer show is. And I'm wondering if their name rhymes with Flammy.
2: No, but that woman also blocked me on Facebook. Or I blocked her on Facebook because she harassed me too. She'd be like, you have to bring this many people and like yelled at me and then spelled my name wrong on the flyer. I was like, all right, I'm bringing 10 people here. You have to at least spell my name right. Like this looks bad. Yeah. She's aggressive
1: yeah terrible but your mom walking in on you how what? many times would you say it happened that your mom that yeah. you've been like covering your tracks four four
2: but i was like <laughs> that's <out>. a lot <laughs> it's like for the number of times i've masturbated since i've been home like four is actually not that high a percentage are you doing
1: honest. it in the afternoon yeah there you go
2: sometimes i'm like do i want a snack and i'm like no 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 you you know
1: oh yeah that's i like that
2: an appetite suppressor
1: it's i mean it burns calories you're out of breath
2: <laughs> i well also i feel like at the beginning of quarantine i was talking to like a lot of dudes not to sound like you know not to be too braggadocious but i felt like you know i was i was getting hit up a lot a lot of people were circling back And then uh, those like all died off like pretty quickly. I think it's just like you get excited that you're like alone. And then you realize that this is going to last a while. And it's like, do you really want to talk to this? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the same situation where like I'll start DMing someone and it's very exciting. But then ultimately you hit a wall because you're like, well, what, there's nothing, there's nothing can happen. Nothing can happen. Not to be braggadocious, but I am I am DMing people who are in London, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, that is, okay, way to name drop there.
1: <laughs> but also, I'm also um, DMing a buy clown in Echo Park.
2: Okay, so, yeah, so you also are, are kind of low right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, but also he doesn't have a car. He, I don't have a car neither does he. So even if we, we, like, wanted to, like, do something, it's like one of us would have to Uber, and I don't think he has the money. And I don't think I'm ready to, like, get into a stranger's car.
2: Yeah, I don't think a clown has the money for a $4 Uber.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it turns out a clown car is no car.
2: (laughs) I'm curious. Yeah, Jared hooks up with really hot guys, I'm just going to say. Like, not to be your therapist, but if – looking at the guys you hook up with, I'm like, well, you're also very hot, so it's tough. Because even when my friend met you – I think he wanted to, like, go out with you. And he thought you were, like, a player. And I was like, no, he's just, like, extremely picky, but in, like...
1: God, that's horrible to hear, but it's true. The trouble is, like, I'm not... uh, Like, sex is, like, fun, but, like, I'm also just, like, a germaphobe and, like, finicky. So for me to, like, get in the mood and really want to do it, I have to be, like, really inspired.
2: Have you always been that way?
1: I have. Yeah, I've always been, like, like, a freak. I used to, like wash my hands a thousand times a day. I've always just been just terrible.
2: No, but that's good. I mean, we th- like, especially now it's like.
1: I guess, right? But I don't know. Like when I first came out, I would like, I felt like all this pressure to hook up all the time. And if like, I went, however long I went since the last time I hooked up was like how much of a loser I was. And I would constantly like be like, fuck, it's been like a month. That's lame. I need to go hook up with someone. And then I would try and then, I don't know, I feel like I've historically have not been like in control of hooking up. Like it, it's been in control of me. And like when I try to like put myself in the driver's seat, it just goes really bad. So I like have become like, a, like passive in the way of like, I'll just go months without and then hook up with a model and then go months without and then hook up with a model. Because the, the other version is, like, I'm putting myself out there to, like, t- try to hook up with guys who I'm not really even that interested in to have, like, mediocre sex with and then, like, spiral with, like, some STD, like, paranoia that just turned out to be, like, an ingrown hair.
2: You just put that pressure on yourself? Like, where did that come from?
1: I, um, yeah, I mean, it's, like, it is. It's it was being put on myself. But I also just feel like, like, the I was in New York. It was, like, the – it's, like, the culture of, like – being gay, being young, and being in New York City is like really intense.
2: I mean, yeah, I living in Hell's Kitchen, like walking home, there was a gay bar by the place, and everyone was on meth. Yeah, it's like
1: fully. It's just so intense. Like it, like the way I describe it is like I felt like when I first came out. First of all, I didn't even come out. I was like, draw- I was like outed first by my parents and then by an acting teacher. Wait, what? My, basically, I came out to my parents first. They, uh, I tried to come out to my parents when I was, like, 12. And I was, like, I came out, like, that's when I first, I started acting. So I was, like, around gay guys all the time, like, doing musical theater in New York. Um, and seeing seeing all these men be, you know, gay. And I would come home, and I would be, like, oh, my God. Oh, no, no, I think I'm like them. Um, and I talked to my parents, and I was, like, guys, I think I'm gay. And they were, like, oh, no, 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 you're not gay. No, 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 don't worry about it. No, no, no. You just need to, you just need to chill out. You're not gay. And I was like, okay. And then um, basically like every year after that, they would be like, are you gay? And I was like, no, 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 no. And then eventually I just, I couldn't lie about it. And my mom was like, are you gay? And I was like, what the fuck do you fucking think? I didn't say that, but I just said, what do you think?
2: Yeah, mom, I'm, I'm doing a podcast with Jared. Oh, okay. hey i'm not masturbating <laughs> get her a medal
1: <laughs> so she can yeah, sit seriously. on it <laughs> um yeah so then i came out to them first and then but then i was like but i'm a virgin and i don't want to i'm not out to anyone um and then i started taking an acting class when i was like 19 and then the teacher was like are you gay and i was like no and then she was like next week are you gay and i was like no literally every class for six weeks she asked me and then the the one class she didn't ask me I was like so I am gay and then that's how I came out and then like in college I was closeted and like gay guys would like drunkenly run up to me at a party and be like when are you going to come out already like just ugh, just terrible terrible shit
2: jesus wait what year what year was this that like this happened cuz i feel like
1: 1973. that's
2: 1973 <laughs> <laughs> no seriously that's what it sounds like but i at least I, it's nice to see now how much it's changed in the past 10 years. Like it feels like it's good to see how much change can come. But I remember you telling me that your parents were weird about it at first.
1: No, I mean definitely weird. It was it was not it wasn't great. But we've they've come a long way and we've learned a lot. Um I think the I think what's the most important change that has happened I think is the way that we treat people who are closeted. They're We have a compassion and an understanding about it and there's like an emphasis on like people's like personal personal time and like journey um and also like safety that always comes up when people talk about coming out like it's like there's the acknowledgement that, that there is a danger to being out and when i was closeted it was it was just you're a coward that was the only thing that was the only narrative we had it was like if you're closeted then you're like A liar who thinks you're fooling everyone and like everyone come on everyone knows like that was the whole thing um and nowadays we just you know there's a there's a new narrative around what it means to be closeted and I think that's so so important because like that's the time when it really matters like that's the time when it matters that that people are like handled gently like because once you're out you're like you have your friends, you have your support system, you start using the F word with each other, like in a, in a fun sort of like way. And like you, everything kind of lightens up. But when you're, when you're closeted, it's like, that's when everything feels so important and so big and so heavy. So it's like, I think it's very important. That's been like a great distinction for like the next generation of people that like, if you are like, it's not so shameful to be closeted. Like people are, are more uh, compassionate and sort of like, patient with people about it. Also, all of my bullies growing up were gay.
2: I mean, that makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right, doesn't it? But, like, at the time, you don't know it. Like, I basically had, like, five significant bullies. Two of them were teachers. (laughs) Musical theater teachers, no less. The other two were, like, peers who were um, within that musical theater world that was, like, very, like, just so, oh, my God, like, just real, like, primal, nasty negativity grows in a theater department (laughs) in a high school like it's just crazy
2: well because it's like competitive weirdly and you're like this is a school production that literally none of us are getting paid
1: um and then I had one bully who was a girl who is now married to a woman and I think that really kind of like of course it did of course it like yeah affected the way that I feel around gay people in like my earliest experiences as as a as a young adult like it was just like initially Fear. I'm like this is like someone who is like who's gonna like judge me or hurt me or attack me and that's like that's supposed to be my community I'm supposed to feel like okay I can come out and find refuge in this community but like I just felt I just like a, I felt like attacked on all sides um and that I think that really really like affected my sex life and I was like an older virgin and then it was just just such a disaster I just felt like I felt like I had to bottom. I felt like there was like, there was a lot of like bottom, there's still a lot of like bottom shame. And I just felt like everyone saw me and was like, oh, you're a bottom, like, which also felt racial. They're like, you know, it's like, you're Asian. Like you must be this like submissive little geisha twink, especially in New York too, because it's like, it felt like basically like becoming sexual felt like because as an older virgin, like trying to enter this like world, it felt like I was trying to board a train that was already moving rather than having some like Taylor Swift small town experience like just me and one boy in the barn discovering each other isn't that like it was just like no it was like meth in hell's kitchen at three in the morning and I'm like okay (laughs) here we go like how do I get into this
2: I imagine like I can't even compare it to my obviously but like i felt like my high school experience like i really like this guy and he would kind of like mess with my head and be like i like you i don't like you i like you i don't like you and i he would be like you're being crazy your emotions are crazy you're crazy so i think that was like inherently and his friends would be like don't be so crazy and then he'd be like why don't you talk you know it was like so hot and cold that i just learned to swallow my emotions and then even in college i was like okay well i shouldn't show a guy that i like him because that would be like crazy And then so, which in college is the same way. I was like, don't show your emotions. And now it's like, I'll date a guy. He'll be like, do you even like me? Like, I can't even tell you're so cold. And I'm like, I thought I was playing it cool, but it's hard when you like the way your brain develops or like how people tell you to like interact with like sexually. Because it feels stupid to be like, well, in high school, but it's like, that's the way I learned to be like romantically involved. Yeah. So now I'm like, oh, I'm 28 and I have to reteach my brain to be like open about my emotions when it's like, for seven development like years of my development i was taught to like shut the fuck up and just like not be crazy so it's it's yeah of course it's like whatever is your first experience is gonna i mean even just what you're saying with like your parents and like people who are in your community it's like you who the fuck do you rely on or like trust
1: and it's, honestly it's not even just in high school i find like with internet dating and apps and even just meeting people in life and dating like There's such like a low, 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 low bar of expectation and like having to just be like, play the game the way everyone else is playing. when I was becoming social, because for a long time I just wasn't. When I was like becoming social, like in high school and like learning like how to make plans, how to like interact with my peers. Like I would learn like, okay, I say to a friend, let's meet at seven. If I call them at 701 and say, where are you? It's going to alienate myself. And that's not going to help me. So I need to like chill out. Don't call them until like 7.15, you know, like, wait a minute. And then you meet people who are like still on this 701 brain. And you're like, wait, how did, did you not, I'm not (laughs) trying to be rude to you. I'm just playing by everyone else's rules.
2: Yeah. Like, have you not also been told to chill the fuck out?
1: Yeah. Like, and that happens all the time with dating. Like I'll meet a guy and I'll be like, just a very normal amount of casual with him. And then I'll feel this sudden, like he'll decide I'm a fuckboy, And it's like, whoa, wait, no. Like, no, I, I put up with fuckboys. What are you talking, I'm not the fuck boy. Like if anything, like I behave this way because of all the fuck boys. It's this terrible environment that we've created for ourselves. And granted, of course I do have like standards and boundaries, but if I was a person who had like really high standards, but like, I already have have difficulty dating and with intimacy and like, and, and all of that, that if I also had like the highest boundaries and standards, like I would, I mean, I fully have no prospects at all. So when I meet people who are like, if you give me one reason for me to be like, mm, I'm like cutting you off. I'm like, how the fuck, how are you? I mean, good luck out there. Like, cause you're just going to keep getting this from everyone.
2: Yeah, well, I talked to my therapist about it because I was like, I feel like I drive, like, guys away and, like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And she was like, that's the thing, Hannah, you're not doing anything, but you're making up how they feel about you before they even say it themselves. So you're setting yourself up for failure. Like, if you like a guy and you want to text him, just fucking do it. Like, stop trying to... Wh- who's, whose rules are you playing by? Uh, you're playing by someone else who like, didn't like you before, and it's, like, if someone doesn't like you, that's a reflection of them, because it's, like, you know, it's, like, the, you don't fit in their mold, and whatever their mold is might be fucking shitty, and I'm, like, yeah, I mean, of course, it's, like, easier to say than be, like, when you don't get text back, it still fucking hurts, but, like, I just try to keep that in mind of, like, it's truly, like, everyone has these own weird, like, rules and standards, and maybe it's, like, they don't know what they want. Maybe they're trying to play it cool. Or I don't know. I'm trying to like not, I'm overanalyzing it now. And I'm trying to be like, I'm trying not to overanalyze it, but I literally am. But I'm trying not to take everything so fucking personally, which I do. I've been hanging out with my friend from high school. And I was like talking to this guy online. We were kind of texting and she was like, why don't you just text him and be like, hey, what's up? I was like, because that's so annoying. And she was like, That makes me so sad. You think asking someone like how they are or what they're doing is annoying. Like that makes me really sad for you. And she was like, it's crazy because this is exactly how you were in high school and it's 10 years later. And it just makes me sad that you feel the same way. And then I started crying and I was like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? And then I was like, but then at the end of the day, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy who cares? (laughs) Like, also, this guy doesn't matter. But it was just like a reflection of like, holy shit, I really need to change my outlook on how I like approach relationships and how I like talk to dudes because I'm I'm really going to end up alone on my own accord.
1: Yeah. But I mean, and and he does matter because he is like he's an opportunity for you to like reflect on yourself and to
2: to practice. (laughs) Yeah, and to
1: learn, to learn. Because I feel like most of the progress that I feel like that I've made through therapy has just been about like learning my patterns and learning where they come from and less about changing or fixing and just kind of getting a better understanding of of where these like um, instincts and these triggers come from. Because once you know, it's like immediately you can cry and you can be like, oh my God, you can remember this like sad little kid and like all of it can kind of melt away and it can have that much less control over you
2: of like finding the problem, or not find, or just like accepting the problem, I guess, and being like, yeah, I do do this thing. And even guys I've re- rejected, I've later been like, fuck, I shouldn't have rejected that guy. He was like kind of cool.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, I don't know if anyone's sitting in their home thinking that about me, but it's like, I have thought that. So I'm like, well.
1: Maybe they are, they are.
2: Um, have you, is there anyone you rejected that you're like, fuck, I shouldn't have done that?
1: Of course, of course. I have a, I have a, a pattern of like, meeting a guy being like he's out of my league talking to him getting to him, realizing he's attracted to me being like oh my god how lucky i can't believe hooking up with him and then after the quote-unquote conquest of it i i turn i flip hard and i start to go like oh this guy actually sucks and then feeling like repulsed by the smell of him and then ghosting. And that was like what I what I would just do again and again and again, like for a long time. And and even as I was doing it, I knew that I was doing it, that it was me and not them, because it was like I just projected so much onto these like poor guys who like were just trying to get to know me. And I was like putting them on this pedestal, which was unfair, and then tearing them down, which was unfair. And it was just to, like, kind of feed my own, like, cyclical, like, rotation, you know?
2: That's interesting because I recently had an experience over – I had an experience over what a break where he was, like, be buying me flowers. He was, like, brought me a Christmas tree, wrote me this handwritten note about how much he loved me. And I was, like, this is, like, a lot. He's, like, I've just, like, never felt this way about anyone. And then we, like, kind of started seeing each other and we started sleeping together. And then he was, like, actually, I can't do this. And, like, started ghosting me. And I was, like, are you ghosting me? And he's, like, this is just, like, too much for me. Like, I can't do this. And I was just, like, this is so frustrating on a level of, like, you have, like, worn me down to, like, be with you. And make me think that, like, I it's my fault that I didn't want to be with you because I'm an asshole. You know what I mean? Like... I I saw it from a mile away, but I was like, you're right. I'm just putting up flags because it's scary. And then for him to like rip it down, I was like, fuck, but it's not nice to know that other people do that, but it did feel like very personal, but it's, I guess it is a pattern that people do.
1: Yeah. I used to do it. I used to do it all the time. And I think it's like, it's, it's a part of masculinity. It's like, we're so discouraged from talking about our feelings and we're That it's, it's hard. It's like, and then we freak out and we don't have the language to, to tell someone. So we don't, and we just ignore people. And it's, uh, that was the only thing I'd ever do. That's how the relationships ended. It was like, I would just slowly cut, like, and I, it's, it's really, it's bad. It's really bad. I don't do it anymore. Something really interesting I learned is that like, one of the biggest reasons I hurt people it, I hurt people when I hate myself and like I would spend so much time at home hating myself and thinking about like how I'm not enough this and not enough that this is bad this is bad nothing is gonna work out da, 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 da. I'm miserable and then I go out into the world and everyone can feel it and I resent people who are happy and I treat people poorly and it was when I realized that like oh I have to stop shitting all over myself because this idea in my head that like it, when I shit on myself I only hurt myself That's not true. When I shit on myself, I hurt my best friends. I hurt my family. I hurt people around, like being at home and hating myself hurts those around me. And that was enough of a reason to like snap out of it and at least start to try to get a hold of it because it's like, it's vicious, you know, like the people, you know, it's like that expression, hurt people, hurt people. And it's really true.
2: No, I totally agree with that. And I feel like I'm kind of in this spot right now of like trying to teach myself not to be like that because I was too. I was getting in the cycle, even in New York. You know, I I was trying to get sober and... But then I was like, I'm using sobriety as a way to get out of hanging out with people. And I thought that getting sober would just like magically make me happier. And then when I was like, okay, this is like a bigger issue. (laughs) I... So I'm in therapy and I'm also like not drinking, but I not not to shit on alcoholism because i you know it's like i don't even know what really qualifies as an alcoholic but like it's not helping it's hard to explain i know know exactly what you mean because you didn't drink for a long time
1: yeah um like you know and everyone's experience with alcohol is unique my experience was when i was going through therapy i would cut out drinking for long periods of time before i started seeing a therapist i would go six months after like one really bad night i'd have a bad night I'd like cry, or I'd like yell at someone, or something, and I would go no more drinking for like six months or something. And I realized that that was a band aid. And to my therapist's credit, he also saw that. And I there was a time uh, in the beginning when I would when I was like I'm gonna start drinking again because I know if I start drinking, I'm gonna start crying, and I need to figure that out. And it's not it's not the wine; it's me. And I thought of it like like a little exploration. When like an astronaut go leaves the spaceship and goes out, like they have that cord that keeps them to the spaceship so they can get back in and be safe. That's what I thought about it like. I was like, okay, I know, I, was like, I know, I know, I know that if I have one more glass of wine, I'm gonna cry. And I'm not even gonna fully know exactly why, but I know I'm gonna. And I was at a pool party. I was, it was like a, a Saturday, LA, Hollywood Hills, party 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 like sexy girls
2: sexy girls aka jared goldstein fucking hottest bitch there
1: (laughs) so i tell i tell i tell my friend addison i was like we're drinking and she's like have another one and i was like no i know if i have another one i'm gonna cry and then again to addison's credit too she was like so then cry who cares and i was like okay i had one more glass of wine like clockwork boom I'm, and also no, over nothing, truly over over nothing that's happening in the party. Now I'm just openly crying at like a pool party. And I just had to keep going and I kept going to therapy and I kept talking about my childhood and I kept talking about my like middle adult, early adulthood and, and all these things and getting it all out of me. And then once I was, did enough sober crying in therapy, it's like the well was drained and then suddenly it, drinking was no longer a problem because I had spent the time and the energy and the effort um, addressing the part of me that was really sad and needed help and needed attention and needed focus and needed love and all those things. So I, like, I really, really identify with like alcohol, sometimes for some people is not the problem, it's everything underneath. And I have friends who, who go sober and I, and I wanna tell them, and then sometimes I try to in ways that feels like safe or delicate or if the timing goes right but I try to tell people like it might not I think for, for you whoever you is one of my friends I think maybe alcohol might not be the problem it's something bigger and maybe if you can focus on that then you it's like you have bigger fish to fry and you're blaming the wrong thing
2: exactly it's like I yeah I, I'm the same way as you and then I get embarrassed because I'm like I want to drink but like I've already said I'm not drinking ever again so like and then my therapist was saying, like, do you hear yourself? You're you're worried about what other people are going to think of you. Like, this whole time. When it's like, no one gives a shit. You know, I don't want to shit on AA because I, I do think it is really good for people and I think it's really helpful, but I'm, I'm not addressing my problems. And then, like, I would try to talk to my sponsor about my problems and she'd be like, "Uh, yeah, I don't – this isn't like – this, and it wasn't her job. I'm like, that's not – a sponsor is not a therapist. Like, they're just helping you stay sober. So I'd be like, okay, I need a therapist because – And that's what my brother said to me because I I fucked up at that wedding and, like, fell asleep. And uh, he called me the next day. He's like, Hannah, you're not an alcoholic. You're just sad. And it's, like, so obvious. And you talk shit about yourself in your stand-up. And, okay, it's funny, but it's just so fucking sad. And you just feel so sorry for yourself. And I was like, Jesus, and he's and now I'm like, he's kind of right. But even when I talked to you and I was like, yeah, I'm not drinking. You're like, for now, like and you did it not in a way that was like judgmental. But it was like I was like because I knew you had gone through a similar thing. So I'm like, yeah, it's nice to know. It's obviously alcohol is never like the answer for sure. But I also think it's like also by cutting it out, you're not going to find the answer.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. For me, what the answer was, was doubling down on feeling sorry for myself it was not about like snapping out of feeling sorry for myself it was for like giving myself the time to like like a hot tub to just fully luxuriate in that feeling and just like love myself for it and be like this is a part of what makes me great like feeling like a loser is like what makes me a winner like rebranding that for myself and like really like firmly believing in that especially like when when you're pursuing comedy it's like what a perfect
2: yeah because like cool people don't do comedy like that's the thing is like there are like really hot girl comedians and i'm fully jealous of them because they're doing well but like it pisses me off but that's my jealous thing but then I talk about on and part of it too was I talk about on stage like being ugly and being fat and like and people would be like well you're not that ugly or you're not that fat and it was like well that's not really a compliment but
1: at the same
2: time I was like I mean they have a point like I'm not like that bad and I'm putting myself in this like you know of like I'm the ugliest person in the world and that's a little selfish to even think like that oh, I'm the ugliest, like, (laughs) I'm middle, I'm fine. So even now when I'm here, when I'm writing stand-up, I'm trying to write about things that aren't so superficial. And
1: I think, like, the things that, like, you're shitting on yourself for, realizing that it's not you and it's not your fault. Like, even, like, when someone tries to be like, you gotta shut up because you're not fucking even that ugly. It's like, fuck you. Like, you're missing the whole point. Because, like, when I, like, I try to remember and remind myself that, like, My internalized homophobia is internalized homophobia. It's not me and it's not mine. It was given to me when I was a little child and I listened and I let people, I listened to the wrong people because at that time the wrong people was almost all people.
2: Um, (laughs) Yeah, this is 1970. Jared's 80 years old.
1: Yes. The things that you're saying about yourself are not it's not you and it's 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 not even like this thing where it's like hannah like your thing is and you need it's not it's every billboard you ever saw it's every fucking it's like it's truly you're being gaslit when someone tries to make you feel bad about feeling fat or ugly it's like that's just gaslighting it's like you it's this thing of like you can't win either it's like you're confident so you're a whore or you're down on yourself and then you're like this other thing. It's all just like swirling messages from other people and they're all no's and you just need to find what your yeses are and focus on the yeses. One way to find a yes for me was to realize that my homophobic feelings were are not from me, they're from the outside world. So when I feel them, it's a moment for me to, to remember that and be compassionate for the little kid who was told something that isn't true about himself. Not to be like, oh, I'm such a fucking gay-hating, internalized homophobic, you know what I mean?
2: It is, because that's what she does. She makes me look at a picture of myself and be like, would you say this to this little girl? And I'm like, I mean, I I have have been been a a a bitch to kids kids before.
1: before. Like, don't test me. But like, like, oh, it's so true.
2: And that's the thing with comedy I've struggled with, where I'm like, okay, how do I express that I feel ugly and that I feel rejected? It's not like I look at someone and I'm like, oh, that fat, ugly loser. But like for myself, it's like, you're a fat, ugly loser. I'm not even like a mean, I am not a mean person. So I don't think that about other people. And if I were, I'd be like, Hannah, you're, I'd be like, if I were to think someone's a fat, ugly loser, I'd be like, no, Hannah, you're just a big fucking bitch.
1: If you saw (laughs) someone say that, you wouldn't agree with them. You'd be like, oh, you are something's wrong it it, it says more about the person saying it than the target
2: totally but then to myself i'm like you fat fuck put down the third popsicle which it's like they're sugar-free it's fine i can eat them but (laughs) but then also doing comedy because it's like confidence you gotta as a woman you gotta be careful
1: yeah and you know the rules luckily have changed a bit and i remember like when i first started i wouldn't have my hair down I would I'd had to have my hair back, and I'd have to wear like a really neutral outfit. I would never like try to stand out in that way at all. And then I started to see these like hot girl comedians in New York, and it really it challenged what I had what what everyone had assumed about like what you had to look like as a comedian. And I'm I'm like grateful to that and to them. And you know, it's like I look at people like Patty Harrison and like Sydney Washington and Mary Beth and. And also Mateo Lane. I feel like Matteo Lane does not get credit like for that. I feel like he is like legit the OG thought comedian on Instagram and he should get more credit for that. Mateo Lane's great. You know, you look at these people and it's like comedy doesn't have to be this one thing that people were told that it is. And I watch you perform and you, you're so funny and you have such a, like a specific style as a comedian, but then also like a style like physically in the way that you dress and present yourself and you present yourself really well and That's nice. it never occurred to me that like a comedian could be like jenny slate and i was like oh in my mind i just always thought a comedian was like an italian man in a suit
2: i mean for a while it was
1: yeah yeah
2: i know that was the thing i was talking to uh love for he was like, Hannah, you're going to end up alone Because most female comedians do And then I was thinking about it I was like, there aren't that many female comedians So like Sarah Silverman, Chelsea Handler Yeah, but like, I don't know Amy Schumer's married uh, Natasha Loggero's married Chelsea Peretti's married Like, Not that I'm like, have to get married But a part of me was like, if I do this, I'll be alone forever And then I'm like, wait, that's just like such a weird <laughs> Like, everyone's different Why is it
1: Yeah, Do you find do you find yourself like Dating as a comedian has like, it's weird because it's like, I threw myself into comedy to get away from dating because I was like so focused on it and it just wasn't giving back to me what I was putting in. And then when I found comedy, I was like, great. I'm just gonna do this. I'm just gonna do this every single night. And that's what I'm gonna focus on. And there aren't very many gay guys. And in that way it can be like a cleansing moment for me of like not focusing on that. And then I met, more and more gay guys, gay women, gay queer people in comedy and it was really exciting to have this like this shared interest for the first time made me feel like when I am with another queer person we're on the same side where like before that in dating it just felt like it was this like this like scarcity mind.
2: It was a game. <laughs> it was
1: a game it was a lot of internal homophobia it was just like a lot of like who is winning, who is losing, who's on the pyramid, who's all this stuff. And then comedy gave me this like shared interest with other queer people for the first time. Um, but then when I started the like, date as a comedian and then like have like dates come to shows, I'm definitely like afraid of, like I could fully see myself like apologizing for it in some weird way or like, it's, it's very easy for me to like feel ashamed about comedy. comedy. Do you
2: feel like that? I do, but talking to my, not to really, I'm like, I'm like, I'm a therapist now. I've had five sessions. I'm fully a therapist. But it's because I I have said this to her, you know, I'm worried because like this guy that I hooked up with a little while back, I like think he's so cute. And like, obviously I just, he followed me on Instagram and I get insecure now with every post that if it's not funny. Or if it's, like, unflattering, he'll, like, not like me anymore. It's crazy that every time I post, I'm like, oh, is he going to see this and, like, not like it? Which is, like, so insane, but I, I just worry, like, or I'm like, is he going to find my Twitter? <laughs> like, my biggest fear. And it's weird to, like, think of the content I'm putting out in that sense. And she was like, well, you're fully making up what they're thinking. That's your projection of yourself on in his brain. And I also think guys don't like women to be funnier than they are, which guys have expressed to me. Yeah, totally. Um, But then in my head, I'm like, well, it's never going to work because I am funnier than most of the guys I date. (laughs) (laughs) Not to get too cocky.
1: I was just saying for the longest time, you were afraid that seeing a therapist would make you less funny.
2: No, yeah. And I I would argue
1: the opposite. I think it helps you understand yourself better
2: and that's what she said she's like you'll be able to say things about yourself and know who you truly are and it'll be funnier because you're not punching down on yourself in an insecurity that's not even real yeah but i do i do get insecure about comedy with guys my friend's boyfriend was like i could never date someone who um was an instagram star or something because it's like that attention it's weird that people like that attention And I kind of get what he's saying, but also like I've always wanted to be an actor and a comedian, so it's not like I'm like, I've always loved attention, (laughs) that's kind of, I feel like that's just like a part of it. All
1: people like attention, not just performers. So I feel like that's like something that is so villainized. And again, like back to like Jenny Slate, I like, I love the way that she, I love who she is and the way that she speaks about herself and something she said that was like really just so right on, she was like, i like to do up because I'd like to show people that I'm special. And I think everyone can do that. But then again, I think it's the people who are villainizing it are the people who are struggling. But I think if everyone felt like they had that space and now, especially with fucking Instagram, ever, literally everyone has space. Like there's like enough room for like, there's people who have 20 million followers who will never know. I'll never know who they are.
2: I know I'll see someone on Instagram randomly and I'm like,
1: who the fuck is this?
2: The world is so big, but I feel insecure because I like shit on guys in my act or whatever. Like, I'm not afraid to like go after someone who hurts me. And this is a warning. Uh, no, but I feel like with you, you don't really talk. Like, I would say your comedy is it's really funny, but it's it's not like if I was a guy coming to a show, I would be like, oh, God, I hope Jared I don't want to date Jared because he might talk about me.
1: Oh, yeah, no, there's almost, there's so little about it because I feel so, like, locked up about my dating that I, I don't know how to speak about it. I barely know how to talk about it, let alone make it funny. Um, and I find that a lot of the jokes that I will write that are about, um, especially about sex, are, they work, but they're not necessarily, like, true. But people see me and they make assumptions and I'm like, all right, well, then I'll, I'll as long as I'm making you laugh.
2: Uh, yeah, there was a uh, there was a moment in time when I was just, like talking about this thing that like really upset me. And I was like talking about all this like sex I was having and like going through all this shit. And um, and then I, like, I stopped and I realized I was like, oh, my God, like you guys don't even know my name. And it got like a big laugh because like clearly I had just revealed all this information about myself and they probably weren't listening to the host. They were like, what's this girl's name? And yeah, like within the first five minutes, they knew I'd been heartbroken, got a matching tattoo with a guy, had sex with this random stranger, got an STD test, like thought I was pregnant. Like all this shit that like honestly way too much information. And they're like, who the fuck is this person?
1: Yeah. (laughs) But that's such (laughs) a fun thing about comedy. Like Craig Conant, he works at Trader Joe's and I would see him maybe once a month for probably three years at Trader Joe's. And we would maybe like nod politely at the most. And then one day I was at Cantor's. I was at Cantor's at the mic. And then that guy that I see from Trader Joe's gets on stage. And I'm like, oh, he does comedy. And within two minutes, and knew his whole life story. And I was like, in three years of like seeing this man at his other job, I knew nothing about him in two minutes of watching him on stage i know his whole life i'm like holy cow it's really something
2: craig has this joke i feel like we're like we're like doing other people's bits but you know what this is it he had this really funny joke because he did the i think it was the wilbur theater with uh he like opened for Crystalia at some big theater in uh la and he talks about working at trader joe's and then he said the next week he was checking people out and a girl was like oh, you really do work here? (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: I I did a... We talked about this, but when you were talking about 8 Mile and you were like, he had to go to work the next day, like, that's how it ended?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And I was in this big comedy competition. I did really well. And then the next day, I was, you know, cleaning shoes at Cycle House at, like, a spin studio. And this couple was like, oh, my God, are you a comedian? And I was like, yeah. They're like, oh, my God, we saw you last night. You're so funny. And it was like... like, I still talk about it because it was just, like, such a moment of, like... It felt nice.
1: I, lo- I like those moments because, you know, when I would get recognized at my serving job, because I think people, from their perspective, they feel like they're getting to see a real-life E. True Hollywood story in the works. And then for me, I would have two feelings. I'd have, like, I'm on the right track. Someone is, like, is, like remembering and honoring and appreciating, like, what I'm trying to do, and that's great. And then the other one was, like, also... I, like, have this job of meaning in, like, a it's, like, I have this job that is, like, honest and valuable. That's what really got me through a lot of years of working at, at Hamburger Mary's was, like, trying to remind myself, like, as much as it, like, sucked, you know, because I have to, like, go get people ranch and, like, lift tables and it's, like, late and it's, like, wow, oh, my God, it's so fucking loud. I would just try to remind myself, like, I'm doing honest work. You know, and I'm like helping people and and I and I can feel good about that. And like that could be because you see other people who are like their heads just get up in the clouds, especially like in L.A. It's like people are so like people have like six jobs and they will they won't tell you about them because they they, they're like, oh, I'm a director. and You're like, hmm. So like I I always made it a point like when I would meet people to be like, um, if they asked me what I would do, I would just say I'm a waiter. And I wouldn't tell them anything about comedy. I wouldn't tell them anything about acting, nothing. And it's like, if you're the kind of person who doesn't want to talk to a waiter, then I don't want to talk to you anyway. So, like, lead with that. And then... Because
2: it's also like when you, you know, you know, now you're on a fucking... Show with uh...
1: Unemployment Is that what you're gonna say Unemployment Cause I am
2: <laughs> Well I was gonna say On a show with Nicole Richie But yes, it's yeah. like
1: That too I'm on both Can you believe that
2: <laughs> That should be your uh, Instagram bio <gasps> On Nikki Fresh And unemployment And uh, unemployment <laughs> Cause I'm the type of person Who's like an outcome oriented person Like if I'm not getting Like all these likes Or if I It's bad You know Or whatever Which is like so negative And I am
1: like too that. by the way Like I am like if you If you think I'm not looking At my Twitter numbers Like that's all I'm doing
2: uh, follow Jared Goldstein immediately. But yeah, I mean, you have to on some level of like, be like, is this working? Uh, when people people DM me and be like, why did you delete that tweet? I'm like, I don't see, I didn't see your name liking it, sir. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but I have always said like, you're one person who really like, you'll go to work and then you'll go do five mics. And you're not like, ugh, I have to go do five mics. You're like, oh, I'm going to this mic. Do you want to go? Or to me, you'd be like, let's go to this other mic. And I'd be like, ugh. And you really like put in the work and it was like, It's nice to see like it was never like oh I have to go do in Tom Allen's a lot like that too which was like really nice to be around people
1: oh my god and yeah he's so funny but then also like at like the shittiest mic where everyone's bombing he will bomb with such grace in a way that's like it's
2: incredible
1: god damn like he is unshakable
2: and that's why he's so successful
1: yeah truly
2: and but I feel the same way about you like on stage it's like I mean, your jokes are really good and you, I don't think I've ever seen you do bad. I guess at a shitty mic, if no one's there and you like, I I can't even say you were bombing because those mics, you're not bombing. You're just speaking to it.
1: Yeah, it's like a workshop at this point. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
2: it's like literally, you're just like masturbating in a warehouse, but you wouldn't bail. You have this, I would say you have the same confidence of like, you're unshakable.
1: Wow, I mean, I definitely feel shaken regularly.
2: But, yeah, thanks for doing this. I was, like, going to talk about, like, I always leave on, like, what's a big secret you don't want your mom to know. And I was going to get into you hiding shit about your mom. But I feel like we really got into a groove about hating ourselves and finding love for it.
1: And I think we, t- we touched on masturbating and our parents. So, you know, I think we, <laughs> I think we did hit the theme of something you want to hide from your mom.
2: Okay. To leave on, what's, like, one big secret that you never want your mom to know?
1: Um, I hope my mom never finds out that I am gay. Please don't tell her.
2: I think she would be devastated to learn that you're not at this point.
1: Sometimes I think it'd be really fun to like experiment with like being like bi, like non-binary, like poly, like let me try anything. But I feel like if I hooked up with a woman, um, my parents would be like, they would feel so betrayed. They would be like, you put us through so much (laughs) to just hook up with a woman. Fuck you.
2: I love your parents. I,
1: I used to tell this joke. That was a kind of a throwaway and I did it at the Laugh Factory. I've only performed there once. And <laughs> the joke, it's, it would, I would tell it after that, I wish you weren't gay joke, where um, I would say, but in all seriousness, my parents, they did their best. They also did Coke until I was eight. And that was the joke. And it was just like a throwaway just to kind of get out of that and keep moving. And I told it at the show and then maybe a couple months later, they were like, hey, we'd like to post your sh- your set online. And I was like, oh, great. And then they did. Um, and then I watched it. And I was like, oh, fuck. That joke is in there. And I, I, I already told my parents, like, the Laugh Factory is going to post this video. And like, I'm excited about that. And those videos, they get a lot of views. You know, they're the they're Laugh the Laugh Factory YouTube, they get a lot of traffic. I was like, and my mom has always been so supportive of like, she's like, say whatever you want. Meanwhile, I'm up there like outing her for this like bullshit that's no one's business. Um, the day that it comes out, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. My mom calls me. I pick up. I'm like, hello? Silence. She's silent. And I'm like, she's crying. Like, she, this is this is terrible. Like, I pro- I've, I've, I've crossed This is horrible. And then she's like, hello hey hey what's up and i was like oh hey and she was like she was just whatever like not at the phone and she was like i love your set so much oh my god it was so funny it's so great so cool to see congratulations and i'm like oh my god like just so endlessly supportive like but i could just make that joke about them and she's just like takes it all in stride so they're they're the best they're great
2: yeah that's so i mean again putting a monologue in someone else's head i feel like that's i mean i do that shit too
1: i fully was like oh she's crying i can like hear her snivel.
2: <laughs> she's like oh no i was just doing coke um...
1: <laughs> <laughs> she can't be stopped thank you for that i'm gonna take that with me all day
2: but yeah you want to plug your i guess Twitter's it's, it's the same, same right? you know Twitter that? and At
1: instagram? Hey jared hay on twitter and instagram Download Quibi. Watch Nikki Fresh.
2: It's so good.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I'm really happy with how it came out. I had so much fun shooting it, and then it just—it's great. It's great to see it.
2: Well, um, this was fun. Bye, guys. Bye.